This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> This episode of Half Measures is brought to you by Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Hi, I'm Norman Lau, co-host of Mission Log. While Daniel and Paul are doing a bang-up job covering the wide world of pop culture, we're talking Star Trek, one episode at a time over at Mission Log, looking for morals, meanings, and messages. In fact, there are a whole lot of other shows at podcasts.roddenberry.com for you to choose from. Science, feminism, even daily news. Boldly go and find us when you're done here, of course. Again, that address is podcasts.roddenberry.com, and we will be delighted to have you trek us out. Kia ora koto, and welcome into another episode of Half Measures, your weekly what to watch podcast. And well, I was going to say, and a whole lot more, but actually, uh, to be honest, I don't know if we are. Uh, someone who is primed and ready to go is my co-host, Dan Whiting. And Dan, like other shows that have stood the test of time, today we celebrate our 50th anniversary. Happy 50th birthday, Paul. This is incredible. I can't believe we're at 50 episodes. I feel like I might have said that when we got to like... 30 episodes and then 40 episodes, but 50 feels, it feels special. It's a milestone, right? I mean, Doctor Who made it to 50, Star Trek made it to 50, today it's our turn, years, episodes, it's all kind of the same, right? We made it to 50. Yeah, and I, I was actually wondering um, before the show, should we have done something special for our, our 50th episode? I don't think the episode, uh, the podcast is called F. Full measures? Do you? Do you? No. No. So, just to let you down gently, I've done nothing. I just wondered whether should we have done something. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I did think. I was like, oh, maybe I could come up with like fifty things about the podcast or like fifty things of interest. And then I was like, would they be of interest to anyone? Probably not. They'd probably probably just skip through. Mm. I know. I do. If I ever listen back to this podcast, which I do sometimes, I just I find myself just skipping, just just skip it. It's like sometimes um, they don't do it as often anymore, but those episodes of TV like, I don't know, like Friends or The Simpsons or even Seinfeld where they're like, let's like go back. This is an episode all about our like, you know, 50 great sketches or jokes that we've had in the show previously. And it's kind of like, it's fun. But like when you came on in a new episode, you don't want to recap mm. or fresh content. And doing a recap would take a lot of editing effort as well. So that was never going to happen for us, right? We don't have the workforce, Paul. We don't. Let's um, let's get back to basics, Dan. Tell me what you've been watching, please. You'll be pleased to know, Paul, that I've finally finished The Shield with probably less than, I don't know, 20 hours to spare, seven seasons. Did it in about two weeks. It was exhausting. It was a lot of Shield. I had to watch it every moment I wasn't doing something, but... I'm pleased to say all seven seasons are complete. I feel like I might have ruined the experience quite a bit for myself because it's quite a heavy TV show and there's quite a bit going on, Mm. Uh, particularly as you sort of get into season six and seven, the storyline gets gets quite dark. Um, 
But in saying that, it was also fresh in my mind because it was like I'd just seen the things that, you know, I remembered the the references from season one and two that they were still dealing with in season seven. So I had a fantastic time watching it. Still highly recommend this show wherever it reappears on um, streaming platforms around the world. It's been a, a hell of a watch. It sounds like watching it as a binge is a good idea, just not watching it as like a, this sort of crazy end of the world is coming type binge. Yeah, I, look, I think, you know, like when you're watching a show like this, like, like I probably, I guess, could have been consumed over, you know, a month or so, like in the winter, maybe in the winter, maybe a little bit faster, mm. but to watch it over sort of 10 days or something is, is, it's just too much. And it's just, it's, it's such an intense storyline. And this, I forgot about, this is my second time watching The Shield, and I've completely forgotten about what happened in that uh, final season. And it's, it's just so good. It's got some such great character moments and, some of the some of the storylines really sort of play off in this in this TV show, so it's definitely a, a highly recommended on the the Daniel Whiting watch list. Well, it is on my list, but of course, I now have the same problem that you face in terms of where do I find it to watch it. So maybe we'll keep an eye out see if it comes back somewhere. Great. So coming off the shield, I have kind of been in a bit of a. Uh, a, a, a a funk. I don't know if that's the right word I'm looking for, but uh, I've just come out of the intensity of watching this this cop show in LA, and it's gangs, and it's violence, and it's corrupt police, and there's so much going on. And I've kind of been not watching a lot, but I've kind of dabbled in a few things, um, I guess, over over the week. Um, so I'll just sort of talk you through those a little bit. So the first one actually is a is a movie that I watched the other day, and I think you might have watched this movie. On one of the episodes, Paul, uh, The Big Short. So this is the, mm. the 2015 movie um, you know, starring Christian Bale, Steve Carroll, uh, Ryan Gosling, Brad Pitt, etc. Um, and this is basically the, well, when did it come out? 2015, but it's about the the 2008 sort of economy collapse, um, all about US mortgage market. Um, and I had thought I'd seen this movie but I've never seen it, and I absolutely loved it. It was such a, a great and fascinating watch. And um, one of the reasons that I, I watched it, because I don't know if you've been following any of the, the stock market or the sort of the, the Reddit news around the world at the moment, but there's a whole bunch of um, GameStop stocks which are, are skyrocketing through the roof in there. They're crashing and there's there's Reddit battles against like big hedge funds and there's there's all the sort of talk about sort of share prices and the stock market and and what shorting means. And I thought, you know what, maybe this is a good time to watch the big short. And I was sort of tossing up between uh the big short or the Wolf of Wall Street, which I've I've seen a couple of times. And I went with the big short, but it's it is an awesome movie and it's a lot of fun. It's quite educational. Um it's a it's a really good watch. It is it is a great watch, I think. Of those two movies, this would be the one I would I would go with. The cast alone is what is really convincing, and the the chemistry they have together. Steve Carell, in particular, is the standout for me, just simply because he's Michael Scott, right? He, 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 we're so used to seeing him in comedies, no matter what it is, and so in this movie, it's such a different role for him. Uh, I just found his role really, really rewarding. Christian Bell, another great character role for him. Uh, it's the one where he's playing the drums, eh? Bit Christian Bell. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. And, yeah. I, and I think 
you've touched on a good point, I think, you know, so Steve Carell is such a, a different character in this and he's still kind of got a, a few quirks and things and it's hard not to see him as, as Michael Scott for a lot of the film, but it is cool to see him in a more uh, growing up sort of adult role when he's swearing and he's getting frustrated and he's he's a bit depressed about things. And then, you know, on the flip side of that, you've got Christian Bale, who I think is such a great character actor who just really throws himself mm-hmm. into playing these these different people from different walks of life. And, you know, again, just such a, a different role for him, but a movie with a, such a star-studded cast on a a relatively dull topic. Like, obviously, it had big impacts on the economy, but it's, you know, on paper, it's just an interesting story to tell. And to get this, I think, level of actors around it is, is pretty awesome. Mm. No, I know what you mean in terms of a, a relatively dull subject. I know exactly what you mean. It's, uh, it's not a movie that I would necessarily sort of speaks to me as something that I might want to go check out, but it's a very satisfying watch. Very, very good movie. Um, I, I could do a rewatch of it. It's, is it quite a long, oh, two hours. Okay. Not too bad. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, about two hours. And so where you find it in New Zealand at the moment is on Amazon prime. I had to sort of hunt around a bit for it. And whereas the Wolf of Wall Street is on Netflix at the moment. So yeah, I just sort of found it sort of topically interesting. I've been following the the game uh, GameStop stuff pretty closely. So this actually was kind of informative, uh, leading to all of that stuff that's going on as well. Nice. Uh, what else have I got? So I've started on a new TV show, uh, which was a TV show that I I was actually going to watch before I uh, started watching The Shield, but The Shield won out um, at that time. And this is a, a TV show on Neon called Yellowstone, uh, starring um, Kevin Costner. And so it's basically about a, a ranching family in Montana who's facing off against uh, other people encroaching on their land from um, property developers to the government to they've got a whole bunch of um, sort of tribal affairs going on. And it's I've, I've only watched a couple of episodes and it's kind of it's it's got a real sort of slow burn quite sort of epic vibe to it a sort of bit of a a western vibe mm-hmm. it's i'm pretty intrigued so far i'm i'm intrigued to see where it's going um I'm, it's really cool to sort of see kevin costner like we were talking about him a couple of episodes ago um it, he's a, a real standout character in this he plays this really sort of hardened father figure who owns this all of this land and he's sort of got this these kids, one's a lawyer, one's um, one's sort of gone a bit rogue, one's working on the land, and, and like they're obviously very wealthy. They own you know helicopters and a whole bunch of stock and stuff, and just sort of the, the family drama that goes with it. it, it it's an interesting watch. There's a lot of boxes being ticked for me. Looking at this, I, I could I could easily go watch here, as you say. Kevin Costner is a, a big tick. Slow burn for me, big tick. Uh, a, a western uh i don't know that i've watched many westerns in terms of tv shows beyond sort of you know your deadwood i don't i can't think now of, of any and so that that really really appeals i see the the writer is taylor sheridan who did um he did sicario um as well um hell or high water so and that's right so that, you know, great movie great tv shows um and so it's it's sort of like it's it's a western in the sense of it's a it's you know Kevin Costner calls his calls his 
his boys, his family, cowboys that work on the land. And it's kind of like that cowboy mentality, but in a, in a modern day world. Mm. And it kind of also has a little flavor of succession. Uh, the other TV show to me where you've got a, a lot of wealth and a sort of big powerful family with huge stakes and control over a whole bunch of stuff. But there's always sort of different power plays for who's going to be in charge and, and what might happen. So it's one that, yeah, I'm, I'm only just starting to get into it, but um, I'm having a pretty good time with the first couple of episodes that I've seen. Could be a contender for us because we're, we're still searching for something, you know, post Bridgerton, post a couple of other things. So this could be one to suggest. You'll find that one on Neon here in New Zealand. Um, what else have I got? So obviously there's been another episode of um, One Division on um, on Disney+. Plus. Mm. So this is episode four of nine. And I would say this is probably the most rewarding and fulfilling episode yet. So um, previously we've been talking about One Division, how it's kind of got this old school kind of sitcom vibe going on through it mm. and episode four really starts to sort of pull all of those puzzle pieces together explain to you about what's going on um obviously talking about WandaVision it is it is spoilers it actually uh one of the one of the characters in there it actually goes back and shows she was actually part of the the Thanos snap and and disappeared and then sort of came back to life and and her role in this and how she ends up in sort of the the WandaVision saga. We start to get a bit more context around why Wanda and Vision are sort of stuck in this, I guess, re- TV sort of bubble. It's it was awesome. This was a, a really top episode, and I think if you've kind of been a little bit on the fence on WandaVision. I think, you know, push through to episode four because episode four has got me very excited for where this is going. I see the ratings have just gone consistently. So you've got 7.5, 7.9, 8.3, and now this one, 9.1. So that follows, that tracks well with what you've been saying each week. Um, I still feel like I need to go back and watch some of these movies because when you say a Thanos snap, I need to know what that is probably to to understand what's going on in this TV show. So. Yeah. We're talking major, major Marvel events here. The Thanos snap. I, I think you need to watch uh, a, a few of these movies. The, the Thanos snap is when basically half of the population disappeared with the the snap of one of the the villains, Thanos. He had the. Is this making any sense to you? He had an infinity gauntlet, snapped his fingers, a whole bunch of people disappeared. Okay. The world went on. This is the infinity, infinity War, right? That would be the one. I, I haven't seen even Endgame, and I, I this is what I mean. I got a lot of catch up to do. Jesus, Paul. Jesus. <laughs> if it's not DC, it's really it's like I love the Marvel TV shows, but all of my superhero movies they're in that DC universe and the Marvel. I'm gonna trigger a few people here, not least yourself, but I don't know. It's never quite been my wheelhouse. Whatever, mm-hmm. whatever a wheelhouse is. Everyone talks about wheelhouses now. I have no idea what a wheelhouse is, but suddenly things are in my wheelhouse or they're not. I don't know that any of the Marvel characters, give or take Spider Man, ever have been. But look. I'll try and catch up. One day, one day. So look, anyway, it's, you know, so it has been a bit up and down for people. I personally have been really enjoying it. Episode four, top quality stuff. It's going to start giving you the context that you need. And I really, have, it's, it's given me a lot of hope for, I think, you know, they've got five more episodes to go about where the story might go. So um, definitely go and check it out. And I've watched one other thing. So, Again, still sort of like, 
obviously with Yellowstone, a bit of a, a slow burn, not kind of a, a, a binge watch, especially coming off the shield, dabbling in uh, WandaVision. I thought, you know what, I might watch something that Paul's just watched so we can have a bit of a, a conversation about it. So I thought I'd check out Star Trek Lower Decks. Amazing. So, so I do have two episodes to go, so I've only watched eight of the ten episodes. But I would have to say, this is good, Paul. This is The tea is good. It's a it's a lot of fun. I obviously am not in as deeply on some of the the Star Trek jokes um, that you mentioned last week, but there I know enough about Star Trek um, lore and history and, and sort of memes that it gives me a bit of a chuckle every now and again. Like there was one particular fight scene where the character is like holding his hands together to fight the like the club, the alien, yeah. and it's just a, a great like Kirk moment and and I think you know much like you mentioned just. You know, not everyone in that Star Trek universe can be on important um, galaxy-saving quests. There is people that have to go in second and do the paperwork, do the contract negotiations, do the cleanup, um, keep the ship running, and there's enough, I think, sort of adventure and fun in this, and it's it's, it's got quite a sort of, I think, a, a nice sort of dark humour to it that that makes it quite an enjoyable watch. Awesome! I'm so I'm so um, thrilled that you've watched this show because I I know you've been venturing into Star Trek and you just come right off the bat. I've watched it in a whole week, which doesn't take long with that many episodes. It's interesting what you know the whole premise, right? Because there was an episode of the Next Generation, which one day you'll get to as you go through the Next Generation, I'm sure, called Lower Decks, where 178 episodes of Next Generation follows Picard and the crew on the bridge except for one episode called Lower Decks, and they, they just basically follows, like you said, the guys downstairs. And it's the most fascinating watch to the point where I don't know if it would be a success as a series, but you could you could imagine, I mean, away from the comedy element, actually just following what it's like to be, you know, um, one of the ensigns downstairs, you know, who's working on a, on the night shift. It's just, it's, it's just fascinating, um, deep story, and adding that comedy element. How did you find, did you sort of, because you know how I said last week, I found it too intense to binge in one afternoon. What did you do? Um, so I've sort of been watching a few episodes um, each evening and it's kind of been quite an enjoyable way to watch it. it, it it's kind of got a bit of Futurama, Rick and Morty type humour in it for me and I sort of like um, find that quite, quite fun. Um, it, some of the weirdest things in that sort of make me laugh as well. Like there's the, I don't have the character's name or unlock, but the, uh, the, the captain who brings her, her, her daughter in and brings her into a meeting to basically choose the type of leather chairs they're going to have at the, you know, around the table. It's, it's too ostentatious. We're not having leather on the, on the chairs and just things like that really just, you know, make me laugh. Cause I, I, you know, I could imagine those types of, you know, if this was a real life situation. That, that would be a real sort of core consideration, right? You have this view that maybe when you go into those meetings, it's going to be about something a bit more high and noble, but in actual fact, you know, it's about the type of chair and it's just going to bore you senseless. I also love the uh, the simulation and how, yeah. how can it be? And they sort of go into the simulation and, you know, instantly kills everyone within seconds. It's, right. it's so great. So great. It's really, yeah, it's great. I, um, I can't wait to see the second season. Uh, I have a I have a really good feeling now that we won't have to wait the long duration that we had to wait for it to come out because Amazon obviously have a deal in place now, whereas they didn't previously. So hopefully we can all watch it 
week by week drop. And if that happens, now that you're up to date on season one almost, it would be be great to do a week by week on lower decks. That would be a dream come true for me. I'd love that. Yeah, no, we can definitely do that. And I think, um, you know, it's something we said before on the pod, but I think, you know, if we want things to stay around, we want them to be successful in our uh, regions, it's, it's good to get as many people as you can watching these things. So, you know what? It's it's a it's a fun watch. I think even if you've only got your base level Star Trek knowledge, I think you'll still get a bit of a kick out of this. It's a lot of fun. That's great because that really sort of counters my or balances rather my view that I couldn't give an objective opinion because I just found it so funny and I loved it so much because of my love for Star Trek. So it's great that someone with a uh, less of a uh, geek nerd level knowledge can still appreciate it. That's great. And that, Paul, is what I've been watching for this week. How about yourself? You impressed me once again to be able to watch all this and keep a, a full-time job going. It's, it's it's pretty impressive. I've got a couple of things. Um, we watched the first season. Well, actually, Netflix are calling it Pat. So we watched Pat 1 uh, of a series called Lupin. Uh, and this is a, a great find on Netflix that, Diana actually found when we went searching, as I said before, for like a, a post-Bridgerton watch. Um, and there's this fictional character called uh, Ars- Arsene Lupin, who was, he was created by a, a French author in the 19th century. And this Netflix series is about a guy uh, who is obsessed and inspired by this fictitious character. And he sets out to avenge his, his father for, um, you know, something that went wrong and he was you know, a real bad injustice and it's a really fascinating watch it doesn't take long i think there was only five episodes they're all less than an hour each it was made in france so unless you're you know fluent in the old french monsieur whiting you're going to want to have those subtitles on but um there was just there was a couple of things that really drew me into this and i will be spoiler light um but still a little bit of spoilers i guess and firstly this guy, the main guy, despite the fact that he's this thief, um, he's just really easy to empathize with. He's just a really likable guy. He's he's trying to go out to, you know, restore his family's honor and his, his father was blamed for something he didn't do. And, um, you know, ultimately, you know, it, what happens to his father is awful. But secondly, it's the way this guy goes about his revenge. It's really clever and intricate ways that he he gets into situations that are seemingly impossible to do it's really fascinating to watch like for example he go he, he wants to talk to someone in prison to get some information but rather than just going into the prison for a visit he finds a way to break in talk to the guy and get out and what what is crucial about that is that the way he does it is also plausible and that makes it um just it's just brilliantly written. I think there's one exception to that, and that's and I'll talk about that later. But um, it's 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 just a really good watch. I'd, I'd definitely recommend it. It looks really interesting. The it's been pretty heavily promoted on Netflix, and I I'm definitely interested in this one. It I wasn't sure when I first saw the the trailer play. I couldn't quite tell. Is this is this in French or is this? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, 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 it threw me. It, yeah, you're going to need. Unless you're fluent in French, you're definitely going to need those subtitles on. So, um, so we have the subtitles on, and I'm, you know, I've got kind of used to that with a, a few different foreign language shows that we've really, really enjoyed. Um, uh, and yeah, that lead actor, he's just, he's, he's, he's what holds it all together. He's, he's really impressive. Um, and George K, who wrote, uh, who's one of the writers on one of our favorite shows, the, the, um, 
what's it called? Criminal, Criminal UK. He wrote this series too, so no wonder it's a good standard. The one criticism I had that I sort of alluded to before is that maybe the cops, maybe they're just made out to be a little on the dumb side. There are a few moments where you're like, oh, I'm pretty sure they could have caught him there or maybe they would have recognized him or, or whatever, but it's no real biggie. It, like I say, it's all it's all plausible and it's entertaining. Um, and if you if you liked anything like, uh, I don't know, Baptiste or Money Heist or The Saint or any sort of like – even a little bit of Mission Impossible in there, really. It's kind of like, I think, I think, yeah, with a bit of mix of illusion or clever sleight of hand, um, disguise, trickery, that kind of thing. I, I think you really, really enjoy it. And um, what what is always a good sign for me is it's one of those shows that as soon as we've had dinner, I'm already thinking, when can we go watch that show? And I think it's like we all have those shows, and it's kind of like it's I can't do that with Mandalorian or Picard or Transformers because I've loved those since I was a kid. But if something like this, which I just discover because Diana recommended it, well not recommended, but sort of said, "Oh, this looks good," that's that's kind of a a really good a, a really good sign. So, um, and I've just heard that um, even though it's only just dropped this year, Part Two uh, apparently uh, will be out in July this year as well. So, so yeah, no no not much waiting around. Oh, I, lo- I love that. I, I was definitely interested in this, um, and I think it's one, after this little review from you, Paul, I'm going to have to check out, and I think I love it even more that season part two of this is is right around the corner. So top stuff, I'll put it on the list. And at the risk of sounding uncultured, even though you know, I didn't know any of the cast, and that kind of sometimes makes it even better because you get to discover, uh, you know, Omar Sai is the name of the, the main actor in this, and he has been in a few things that you and I have both watched, but I didn't really recognize him, certainly none of the support cats, but they were all real good quality. And yeah, for me, someone who's obviously not that cultured doesn't get out too often. This is a real good way for me to explore a little bit of foreign TV. I really appreciated it. So, uh, so yeah, a good find. Um, the other thing, uh, and as you said, that's on Netflix. The other thing uh, we watched, uh, a movie that we found on Neon. In fact, another Diana fine so kudos again to my lovely wife for suggesting this one motherless brooklyn um and this is a bit of a uh, mystery crime movie set in like 1950s new york or new jersey no new york new york and it's it's centered around this detective private detective who has tourettes and he's trying to solve the murder of his friend and it's a this was there's just so many movies and TV shows being made. I guess it's impossible for me to keep up, but I don't know how this one didn't make it on my radar. We've got Edward Norton. We've got Alec Baldwin, uh, Willem Dafoe, Bruce Willis. And it, it's it's just really good. And Edward Norton is really the star because not only is he in it, he wrote the screenplay uh, based off of a novel. And he also directs this movie as well. And like this, I'm pretty sure I had a look online and this is like his first direct attempt i think i think he did like a a minor comedy like 10 years ago or something but this is like the first time he's directed a serious movie and i thought he was great i feel like he holds a lot of tension he uses some camera angles that catch you off guard or they're really clever angles that show someone being followed from a distance and i thought it was great and in front of the camera he was just great as well so have you has this one come on your radar 
it has briefly come on my radar, and I, I've looked at it a, a couple of times actually. But for all the reasons that you said, it's got a pretty star-studded cast. I'm a huge fan of uh, Edward Norton. I think he, he is always, you know, top quality. Mm. The one thing that has kind of been putting me off is actually the length of time for this movie, um, which is which is a funny thing for to say for someone who's just watched seven seasons of The Shield. But sometimes um, when I sit down and I'm like, oh, I might watch a movie. I was like, oh, two hours, 24 minutes. Like, sheesh, that, 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 that's a long time. Um, and so I, I'm kind of, it's on the radar, but I haven't sort of made the decision to go, no go yet. Yeah. And I guess there's an element of slow burn about it. I wasn't going to say that, but I think because you've mentioned the time, it's worth mentioning that it, it, it doesn't move at pace necessarily. Um, but it didn't feel like a long time watching it. I didn't at any point feel like, oh, come on, move it forward. I really, I really felt drawn into everything. And yeah, like you, Norton, I'm a real big fan as well. And I don't, uh, how do I say this? Um, you know, I don't want to say anything insensitive. What am I? If, if, so if I don't frame this up right, I'm sorry, but I find Edward Norton is good at playing characters who have either disorders or learning disabilities or are mentally challenged or, or and, and I think what's springing to mind for me, I'm thinking specifically of his role in the score where he plays this this thief who fakes his way into a building pretending to be mentally challenged. And I just found it to be very convincing in this uh, motherless Brooklyn as as someone who has Tourette's. And, uh, you know, because I've, I've encountered a few people who have Tourette's and I think the way it's portrayed sometimes in movies and TV shows is a little bit inaccurate and stereotypical. And what, what he delivered was really, seemed really authentic. And he's just... Like you know, like you say, he's just—he never gives a bad performance. He's always the kind of standout when he is in something. So thinking about the score that I just mentioned, he was in that opposite De Niro and Marlon Brando, <laughs> and he came out of that movie, if anything, as as the most convincing of all three. And and again in this, he's he's just fantastic. So um, yeah, there's a lot about it this that I think is great. It's ni- the 1950s New York feels real feels authentic the music feels real good for the time um and yeah look alec baldwin bruce willis and william defoe who by the way still uh still had that look about him that from the movie we last saw him in in the lighthouse he still has that beard and he still has that crazy eyes thing going on he he, he was good in this too so yeah i would recommend this to to anyone if you enjoy any of those actors or if you just like a bit of a golden age corruption crime type mystery I think um, just thinking about Edward Norton, we probably need to do a peak performance on on him at some stage, like Fight Club, American History X, um, God, so Red Dragon, The Italian Job, Kingdom of Heaven, The Illusionist, The Incredible Hulk, top quality. He's great, right? And I guess you've mentioned all those movies, but sometimes I'm surprised he hasn't actually got more, although he's not like a higher profile actor because, and, and I wonder if it's through choice, because he really is, he really is superb. And I just feel like in the last decade, I haven't seen as much of him. I felt like he was running hot for a long while and maybe, he, you know, maybe he took some time away for a family or, or whatever. I don't know, but I just feel like he's, um, he's real top tier in terms of his real method. And, uh, I've never not enjoyed his performance. So yeah, it could be a peak performance for sure. Dan, I think you're right. Good stuff. That's uh, another rave review from you, Paul. Diana's got the goods on all of these recommendations at the moment. Oh, look, I, f- I feel like actually, um, to be honest, uh, what 
what are we talking Mothers, Brooklyn, Lupin, Bridgerton, Dark Waters, Bombshell. Um, at, all of those have actually been <laughs> Diana's, Diana's pick, um, including our, um, our movie of the week uh, uh, this week as well. So um, if anything, it's me who needs to to, to step up, I think, then. Um, so, yes, I've kind of done a deeper dive on a couple of things there. I guess that's probably, other than that, I've got my, Bellicle Saw rewatch going on. I'm in season two, absolutely brilliant. And we've been watching more of Your Honor, uh, which we mentioned uh, is also on Neon. And there's just two episodes to go on that. And that's getting uh, really tense. This week's episode perhaps wasn't the greatest, but that show as a whole is, is top tier as well. So definitely another one for you to, I think if you were to start it up now, you'd, you know, you'd, you'd be right up to date within probably a week or so. Nice. Oh, I've actually heard um, rave reviews um, from a few people recently about that show, so that's definitely going to be one I'll, I'll try and sync up so that by the time it finishes, we can we can do a bit of a, a deep dive into it. Nice. Cool. Oh well, it must be time for our movie of the week. Indeed, it is. So each week, Dan and I choose a movie. We pop that movie in our Discord community, which you can join by clicking on the link in the show notes, and then we review it. We take it in turns each week. As I said, I ch- I chose this week. It was actually Diana's put the movie choice forward, and you chose it. And uh, which movie did you choose, Dan? We went with uh, Richard Jewell. So uh, basically this movie is about security guard Richard Jewell, um, who is an instant hero after falling a bomb attack at the 1966 Atlanta Olympics. But his life becomes a nightmare when the FBI leaks to the media that he's a suspect in the case. Directed by Clint Eastwood. Um, for you Cobra Kai fans out there, uh <laughs> <laughs> stars uh, Paul Walter Hauser. Um, it's also starring Sam Rockwell. Um, it's it's yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I I just want to reveal to everyone when I sent Dan through the the two choices for uh, movie of the week. In fact, the other one was Motherless uh, uh, Brooklyn. Um, Dan's reply was, "Let's go, Richard Jewell, aka Stingray from Cobra Kai." He was he was already excited about it. So. Um, yeah, I, I knew you were going to go there. And I didn't realize even at the time that Clint Eastwood had directed this one. I mean, when is this guy going to quit? I mean, he's like nine, 91 now and he's – look, I'll go first. Uh, I, I feel like I am, as you all know, Dan, I think, a glass half full kind of person. I feel like I've given a lot of uh, movie of the weeks some great ratings over the last few weeks you know am i being too nice am i not diving in deep enough to the morals messages and meanings i I don't know dan but once again i thought the richard jewell was a great movie i found myself really taken in i found myself feeling quite ignorant and i forgive myself because 1996 maybe i wasn't quite as sensible as i am now but i feel like i knew that it had happened but i hadn't paid as much attention to to what had actually happened and i had no idea about if i'm honest i had no idea what this whole richard jewel thing was about so once again thanks to hollywood i'm learning uh, or at least i'm learning one point of view i found this a fascinating watch i really enjoyed it uh how about yourself i think you're you're right there paul like I would have been probably 14, 15 when this when this happened in real life. And I feel like I just didn't really know anything about it. And I wonder whether that maybe speaks to 
the, the lack of the internet back then because I feel like, you know, in, in the modern day, we kind of know globally things that are going on. And obviously the the Olympics are a big deal. But I feel like it just wasn't really on my radar really what happened or I guess some of the, the story around this. Um, look, I, I've sort of got, I've got a mixed, mixed thoughts on this one. And I actually don't think those mixed thoughts are because of the movie, the direction or the cast. I actually, you know, it's another one of those movies for us where it's quite, it's quite heavy, like, uh, mm. he, heavy in the sense, like it, it's a, it's a heavy topic. It's another, um, story about how, and, and look, you know, we, we know that this is only one, one view of, of this story. There's, there's other lenses to it. This is someone's, t- someone's take on, this is Clint Eastwood's take on, mm. on what actually, um, what actually happened. But I, I just kind of found myself a little bit like, oh God, the, the system, the, like just the way that, um, Richard gets treated through this, the, the, the fact he's kind of just the way the media deals with him, the way the FBI deals with him, the way he's kind of like treated by other people. Like it, it was just kind of like, it was, I'm not sure what the correct right, right word is. Like it's, I didn't find it sad. I didn't find it. I just sort of found it like, Oh God, like the world, the world is mm. heavy going at times. And I don't know whether we've just watched too many heavy movies recently that kind of make us think about what's going on in the world differently and some of those the the organizations and the and the entities that kind of drive some of these things. And so there's sort of that element for me. But the actual movie itself I, I found quite a, a educational, um mm. entertaining, um well acted uh story. I like I really like as I as I mentioned at the start, I really like um Paul Walter Hauser, I think I was intrigued to see how he was going to sort of um, be in a more a more serious role because I've only really come across him from his role as Stingray and Cobra Kai, and definitely a, a real a real favourite character over there. I really enjoyed Sam Rockwell. Mm. Um, John Hamm was obviously in it as well. He was he was really good. It was good. I had a good time. I I don't know whether I could watch it again. Um, yeah, it looked. It, it was good. I just, I think I'm just, I'm ready for something a bit lighter, I think. I think, okay, then, so on that note, I think our movie of the week choices this week should be a choice of either Step Brothers or Tropic Thunder. Let's, let's really, let's go for something totally different because we, I've, I've, it's, just, it's weird because I, I know exactly what you're saying. I think the word I would use is almost depressing uh, in terms of uh, how, how it can feel watching how he was treated and, um, and you're right, it is one person's or a couple of people's view on how things were. Uh, maybe it wasn't entirely how it happened. Actually, I don't know if you saw this or not, Dan, but you know, as, as I said before, we, we post in advance in our Discord community a, a week in advance what we're watching so that anyone listening can watch along too. And there was a comment in there uh, that there was some controversy around the portrayal of the reporter that Olivia Wilde plays in this movie. And apparently there's this TV show out there called Manhunt deadly games that supposedly tells a, a more accurate portrayal of her and that so maybe you know anyone who's interested in learning more about this whole incident and the the investigation that might be one to look out for but um no it is it is quite heavy i've i mean spoilers to anyone who doesn't know this well, i also found it i think the, the final straw for me was the fact that he richard jewell died 
died so young at age 44 i think it says yeah 44 and again full spoilers you know after all of this investigation his dream of becoming a police officer he actually uh gets you know he's he's behind the counter at the police station i'm not sure what he's doing there but he he's wearing the uniform and, and i imagine in his world based on what i've seen in this movie so this is a real narrow view i imagine he's happy as larry at that you know he his dream which the guy who who played him was just just absolutely brilliant i i i, I haven't seen much of paul walderhauser before but i thought the the emotional performance he gave uh, as Richard Jewell was just so good and he just wanted to do good and he just wanted to protect people. And yes, he took it too far, like when he was working as a security guard at the school and decided to pull people over on the side of the road like a cop. I mean, but his heart was always in the right place and people would have died if it wasn't for him with this 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 bomb at the Atlanta Olympics. So um, I think the fact that he went through all that and made it, that would have been the perfect ending for me. And I think I would have come out of it feeling good. But then to see he just died a couple of years later was just, you know, life's, life's, life's horrible. And um, everything you said about the cast is true. The, the standout for me was, was Kathy Burke. I've always been a big fan of her and a number of things, as we talked about before, I found her uh, really convincing this movie. The uh, Sorry, Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates, the Kathy Burke. Oh, the Kathy Burke. Don't, don't Google Kathy Burke. <laughs> She's a very different actress from a comedies with uh, Ari Enfield and other people in the UK. Um, she's definitely not Kathy Bates. Sorry, um, half measure. No, Kathy Bates, fantastic actress, really, really good. Um, I, yeah, I really did get a lot out of this movie, and uh, for me, it would be a one watch. I think you're right. I don't need to go back and see this. I feel like I've learned. To, I feel like I won't forget this. And that's always the thing with with movies like this, where I feel like I'm, I'm learning something about history, even if it is from a Hollywood lens, that I, it will now stick with me. Yeah, I think you know it's it's got a lot of um, fun moments in it as well. Like I, I really enjoyed when the the FBI uh, come into Richard's house and they're like, "Have you got any guns?" And he's basically got, he's got hundreds of guns mm. and they're they're all spread out on the bed and it, that sort of definitely made me laugh and then when the when the fbi is searching his house and he's just trying to help and his lawyer's like you've got one job say nothing and he, he just can't help himself like he just genuinely wants to do the right thing he considers himself part of the police enforcement team and you know you could imagine you know that being super frustrating but it was also kind of endearing as well and i think you know it's one of those I think what I struggle with personally is it's like those shows, I think is it, is it uh, Making a Murderer or one of those like Netflix ones that was really popular a few years ago where basically, you know, they're telling the story from what, I, I don't really, I didn't follow it so I'm probably going to get this wrong, but from the point of view of the person who got convicted right. um, and reinforcing how actually this evidence doesn't stack up and um, they've been sort of wrongly prosecuted. I find it, hard to watch those shows where you know in this particular case sort of knowing you know from the start of the movie that he, he he's not the one who's behind all of this and you're having to sort of watch and be persecuted for it like it's so I, I think I just find it frustrating as a watcher mm. and it is true what you said before about the world is a horrible hard place and um I don't know maybe sometimes I watch these things and I just and I'm not saying it came up in this movie for me, but sometimes I was thinking, oh, maybe I've been a bit hard on people for that sort of thing, or maybe I've judged someone, or whatever it might be, just always to take a step back and, uh, you know. 
I mean, I guess the one thing you'd say with this movie is he didn't paint a good picture for himself, you know, like you said, with all the guns and um, the, the the crazy things he's doing in his past. But that, if you only see that side of the story, you get the wrong the wrong picture. And uh, yeah, it's depressing, right? Yeah, look, so I think overall, like I, I enjoyed this. Um, probably wouldn't be rushing to immediately watch it again, but I think for me, Again, it got me. It got me googling. It got me doing some research. Got me doing some some looking into the some of the the facts for myself. And I think that's often I think quite the quite good thing with a movie like this. Even though it's just portraying um, one lens over this topic, if it kind of inspires you to do some of your own research and, and you know try to make some of your own conclusions, that's a good thing as well. So I think you know overall a good movie for me. I really enjoy Clint Eastwood. I enjoy mm. just about everything he he touches. He can't really do too wrong i definitely worry about how old he is um Mm. and how many how many more movies he can he can keep doing but yeah i think this is a probably a what would i give it on the i don't know if i should be using the akimbo scale on this one either maybe um probably give it two and a half on the akimbo scale okay okay i'll I'll go for me this like i said i don't know if i'm being too too nice to glass house for but i just it, it did everything for what this movie was about it did everything i would want it to do for me and it really hit home uh so yeah that's uh i'll give that four four out of four you're giving it the four guns for for what it was within the con you're giving them all of richard jewel's guns on the bed <laughs> yeah exactly right yeah exactly right and um yeah tragedy indeed indeed well, um, yeah, maybe I'm going to have to work work hard to find something a little bit um, not I don't know fun or stupid, but maybe something a little bit uh, a little bit lighter, uh, or, or maybe with less of a I don't know who knows what I'm going to find. I'm excited. Who knows? I'm no promises. All right, it must be time for a little bit of news. So, what have we got on the on the news board? Uh, what has my employee got for me this week? Just kidding. Just kidding, Sador. <clears throat> so, um, okay, a couple of things from me. So it looks like uh, Jeffrey Wright, um, who some of you may know uh, from Westworld, uh, has also he's going to be playing Jim Gordon in the new Batman film. He is about to star in uh, a new audio podcast as Bruce Wayne, and it's called Batman the Audio Adventures, and it's a comedy about the adventures of a superhero. I don't know much more about this, um, more than the the title really, but I'm intrigued. I'm definitely keen for a, a Jeffrey Wright, um, Bruce Wayne sort of audio depiction in, in a podcast format, and it's something that's going to be coming onto Spotify, so I, I'm intrigued. I, I really like um, Jeffrey Wright. He's a he's a great actor. Yeah, I, I, I like him too. I've um, for me, I always think of Felix Leiter from the Bond movies um, as oh, a Felix uh, for for Jeffrey Wright. Um, what is the difference between an audio book and a podcast? And when it's when it's a work of fiction like this, because I've I imagine that there's been audio books about Batman in the past. So it's just yeah, interesting that it's been delivered in a podcast format. I guess uh, um, an audio book is sort of a, you can start to finish finish a, a story, whereas I guess the the podcast format is probably episodic content. And you know, I guess if you're listening to it week by week or 
I don't know. I guess I can uh, answer that question myself, actually, when I think about it. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> I don't, was it rhetorical? I don't know. I don't know. No, it wasn't. I Who was knows? just thinking out loud. Now I've worked it out for myself. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. Um, so Carl Urban, um, one of New Zealand's own, who stars as Bully, Billy Butcher in The Boys, has actually just left New Zealand to Canada to start production of season three of The Boys. So, Paul, plenty of time for you to catch up on seasons one and two uh, before we get The Boys season three, but pretty exciting times that they are getting started on that one. Mm. I, I, I am going to make a commitment to you to, to catch up. So uh, so I've got a bit of time for season three, right? If I had one one show that I want you to watch this year, Paul, it's it's Ozark. That's the one. Oh, if, I, okay. if, I've, if I've just got one thing that I'd like you to get amongst, it would be that. So that when when the final season comes out, we can we can really go deep on it. It's, and I want I want you to say to me, why did I wait so long on this? Why did I wait? That's what I want. That's what you want to hear. Okay. Well, you should try being my manager, just trying to get me to do one thing's hard enough. So we'll try. We'll try. Impossible. It uh, looks like um, Edgar Wright has finished the script for Baby Driver 2. So exciting times. Um, not sure, obviously, what that story is going to look like yet, but I, I really enjoyed the the first Baby Driver movie. Definitely intrigued for a second movie. Interesting to see whether they, they bring back Baby, um, whether they go maybe a, a slightly different direction. Who knows? But another interesting one to watch. What else have we got here? Uh, dun, dun, dun. Uh, it looks like uh, Raman Jawadi, who is the composer behind the pretty epic intro music and um, soundtrack to Game of Thrones, has been brought back to do the, the Game of Thrones uh, prequel, which I think is pretty awesome. So really keen to see what he does with uh, The House of the Dragon which is a, a new show that will be coming soon. Hopefully they do this one better than they did with the original Game of Thrones. Still no shade. Still true. Actually lots of shade. So angry. And earlier, so speaking about the uh, GameStop stock situation, so Netflix um, is looking to make a movie um, about that. So I think this is going to be awesome because if you've been following any of what's been happening this this needs to be the big short type movie, and I can't wait to see how it, how it's all portrayed. The events haven't even really finished, but I think it's pretty epic. I think Netflix is the, is a great platform to pick it up. Um, I've heard that um, there's also some sort of I think MGM might be working on a book or something. But the movie is what I what I can't wait for. Diamond hands, guys, stay strong. <laughs> I don't know if you, do you know what that means, Paul? I, Diamond hand. I, I, I'm just appreciating that there's all these things that I just am completely unaware of because I'm real high level on all of this news so far. So, so diamond hands is basically hold the stock, like don't sell out. So you want to you want to keep your hands as hard as diamonds. Right. So stay strong. Stay strong. All right. Um, this was actually mentioned. Other bit of news mentioned in our Discord channel. So, uh, and we actually talked about this quite a few episodes ago now that um, Disney Plus is expanding here in New Zealand and in other places around the world, Europe, Australia, Canada, um, and they're adding a, a new uh, 
part to their offering called Star, and it's got a whole bunch of new TV shows and movies that are coming. And I've just been looking through the the list, and this is the mm-hmm. the list of these TV shows and movies has been released for Europe. So it might be slightly different here in New Zealand, but one exciting movie that I see is coming to Star is Tombstone. So, Paul. Uh, do you know what we should get? We should get Patty involved. It should be you, me, and Patty doing a tombstone review. I, f- I feel like that's a good idea. That that was one thing I actually had on my list of news things here. I spotted that in the list as well because I know we've been waiting for a place for it to come up. Um, this whole the whole content on Star looks really fascinating. Um, so I, I cannot wait for that. And apparently, it's not going to cost us any more, which I find extraordinary. Well, I. I, so I think it's not going to cost any more up until August, and then I oh. think it's switching over to maybe maybe twelve ninety nine a month here. That's not good. Um, which is still not bad, is it? Because I think you know a whole nother. I think Disney Plus does need to sort of have a bit more content in it to really make it a, a key player. And I think that's where you, you know they're going to have shows like Twenty Four, and I could imagine the Shield actually reappearing reappearing on here, Scrubs, things like that, Sons of Anarchy. So I think it's it's exciting times. And then my final bit of news, it's a big news day today, is there is a new Cloverfield sequel in the works. Are you a, a Cloverfield movie fan, Paul? Dan, I love Cloverfield. And I swear, I swear to you, I was just thinking the other day, where was I? I was thinking about something and I thought, man, I wish they'd do another Cloverfield. Because I loved both the sequels as well, the the Paradox and the 10 Cloverfield Lane. Um, hit me with it. What's it all about? I haven't heard about this. Okay, so it's... I don't really have any any details yet to to get you excited, um, but it looks like Joe Barton is the, who's been brought on board to write the script and direct a sequel to the two thousand and eight monster movie. That's that's all we know so far. But as you mentioned, Paul, it's, it's been one that's been a bit up and down. What's happening with it? It looks like all things are moving forward, and now that Joe Barton's on board, things are going to probably start happening in that space. So, look, I think it's a, an exciting time for Cloverfield fans. That's amazing. And it's, yeah, I would love that. I feel like there's a universe. I think I was thinking about all the types of different universes. I was thinking about the Matrix and Terminator, and I actually thought, oh, I love the Cloverfield universe. I wish I'd do some more. So, wow, I should start wishing for more things because that's great. Let's, let's keep an eye on that. I'd love that to come true. And that is me, Paul. Have you got anything on your news desk or I swept it all up? You took a couple of them, but I did have um, a couple of things. One, which uh, your your trusted employee said or chucked in our discord news channel around uh charlie theron having a sequel green green lit for um for the old guard uh which i think you know you and i really enjoyed when we watched that uh, as one of our movie of the weeks last year uh, on netflix and they set it up so well didn't they at the end of that movie for for a sequel as well with the um the the one that was going under the water and was constantly you know just Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yep. You know what I mean? I forgot about that. Actually, yeah, definitely. It's it's perfectly time for a a sequel. So, so that would be one I would definitely look forward to. Um, And then, yeah, the only other thing which isn't really news, but more just commentary, which the type of commentary that excites me because we were we were literally only just talking about um, Hannibal last week. Um, But uh, yeah, Mads Mikkelsen saying that you know Hannibal's popularity on on Netflix has, has revitalized, you know, the interest and could season four, could it be, could we dream? Could we dare to dream for enterprise season five? Could we dare to dream for Hannibal season four? These are the big questions. I think we can dream because 
I think, you know, we're in a day and an age where I think the streaming platforms are hungry to have the best content. And you know who's hungry? Hannibal Lecter. And what it's the perfect place to, you know, I think there's there's a huge following there. Like if we can get a, a Dexter revival, you can be damn sure we're going to get a Hannibal revival. Mark my words, Paul, we're getting it. I love it. I, I, it's just, yeah, one of the greatest series of all time. Cancelled too soon. So if Mads is talking about it, that's really, that's really, really exciting. And um, the only other thing I had listed here, which again isn't really news, but just something that nearly happened but didn't, uh, there was an interview uh, with a couple of people who were involved in the creation of uh, Rogue One, including the um, ILM animation supervisor who who revealed that there was originally going to be a scene between Vader and Grand Moff Tarkin in Rogue One. So obviously those two had, you know, that that great relationship on the Death Star in the original New Hope. It would have been, you know, since they brought back CGI Tarkin so successfully, uh, it would have been a real easy win for them to perhaps had a scene with Vader, but it, it didn't go ahead, which was a real shame. No, it's it's a uh, it's sometimes a shame eh, when you hear things like that. Where you're like, that would have been such a, an epic moment uh, to not have it happen. But nevertheless, I think we still got we still got some good some good content and some good uh, some good movies at the end of the day. Did indeed. I'll uh, I'll switch us over to the mailbag, uh, and it'll be quite quick this week. It's one of our quietest week for a while, to be honest. Dan, just scanning through what we have here, there's a couple of things. Firstly, um, the actress. Catherine Drysdale, who's probably best known for playing uh, Megan Markle in The Windsors, uh, she shared a Bridgerton review, um, which of course she starred in in that as the modiste uh, Madame Delacroix. Um, and and yeah, and secondly, as always, our peak performance uh, got some suggestions from from people. Uh, last week we went with Lawrence Fishburne, and we had uh, Sarah and Jason go with John Wick, uh, which is actually. One I was thinking might have borderline appeared on on your list last week, Dan. Um, we had Norman from Mission Log go with the 1995 movie Higher Learning by John Singleton, um, which, to be honest, I don't know if I've if I've actually seen it. But Norman commented on there as well and said it, he thought it was a fabulous movie, way ahead of its time. So uh, one to maybe keep an eye out for. Um, on the subject of Mission Log, uh, slightly off topic. I attended a Roddenberry Patreon hangout this week with you know Norman, John, and delegates from Time Team and anyone who's anyone in the podcasting community in North America and Europe. And anyway, it was a great chat. And I heard, maybe this is news rather than mailbag, but I heard within that um, chat that Babylon 5 has now been remastered in high definition, is now streaming. I'm wondering, could this be our next, next watch, Dan? I haven't watched this since the 90s, and I feel like Babylon 5... Is is just a show for you. I think it would be right up your alley. I as soon as you, <laughs> as soon as you said that, I was like, Babylon Five is that? And I, for some reason, I was thinking of Farscape, which again, people like a lot of people try to get me to watch Farscape, and I've given that a bit of a nudge too, and I've just never really cracked the surface. But I don't, I, I don't know about Babylon Five, Paul. I just don't know. For you, no, fair enough. It's not everyone's cup of tea, but it's uh, there's a lot of passion for it in that chat. Um, and what else? I think that's it. Oh, no, one piece of mail that I saw. I saw this on Twitter, and that's because we posted it. And that is for anyone who uses Amazon Music to listen to podcasts. Our podcast is now available to listen to uh, on Amazon, so you can subscribe to us there if that's a, a better option for you. Um, 
we reached 150 followers on Instagram. A lot of celebrations about that. I'm really scraping today. There's that, that's all we've got then. To be honest, I'm really excited to discuss this week's uh, peak performance. So I'm happy to move into that because I feel like this is the first time that we've gone with someone I know more from TV than from movies. I feel like it's a first for us. So why don't you tell us who we've got? Yeah, so much like our um, movie of the week, we also have our um, actors and actresses, um, which we call our, our peak performance, where each week Paul and I choose a, a different actor or an actress and talk about what we think are their, their best performances. And so this week we have gone with John Burnthal. So, Paul, I'm going to let you do the honours and go first this time. Okay, all right. Well, as I said, I was excited because... John Bernthal, he's one of those actors who I find I'm just always pleased to see in anything. I feel like he just adds so much. Like he's literally, you put him in anything and it's like you're sort of spicing it up a little bit. It's like he's a great condiment that makes your favorite meal even taste it. I don't know. He's just, he's just great. And he reminds me, he's got like a De Niro sort of swagger or like a confidence or I, I don't know what it is, but uh, I just feel like he's great. And um I started just looking at what he's been in, in on IMDb and I started looking through trivia and his favorite movies are Silence of the Lambs and Goodfellas. So I even feel like the three of us would get on like a house on fire. He's just great. So my top three for, for John Bernthal are in third place. I'm going with his performance as Shane in The Walking Dead. Those those first two seasons were were so defining, I guess, in terms of the success of Walking Dead. And, and John Bernthal as Shane, he was he was key in that he was basically the biggest character for me in that show at that time, other than Rick and his attitude as Shane, his behavior, his, his, uh, his knee jerk reactions. He's just a real loose cannon. He was uncontrollable and it was, it's a shame he got killed off. I think it was great TV. I think it made for a great sort of cliffhanger. Was it cliffhanger? I don't know or whatever it was around the end of season two, you know, Carl never got to meet his real father. I, I loved his cameo when, um, you know, he, he showed up in Rick's final episode. I thought he was just great in The Walking Dead. So, yeah, I, uh, I've i gone with that for my number three. My second – oh, go. So did you say Cal or you mean Judith? Uh, Judith, correct, Judith. Judith. Yeah, thanks for correcting me for the second time. I'm having a great day, right? It's the heat. It's I, no, I was I, me insane. I didn't want to treat you to be a dick. I was more like, <laughs> wait, did I miss a major plot point here that he's also Carl's father? I'm like, oh my god, like that's the type of thing that I probably could miss. So I wanted to double check. Yeah, no, no. For those of you who uh, haven't watched The Walking Dead, that would make no sense at all. But for those of you who have, yes, correct. We all know that Shane is uh, Judith's father. Um, second place for me uh, is the movie uh, Fury. Uh, which was the uh, the movie that basically the, the whole thing is almost set in in that tank uh, with with Brad Pitt and Shia LaBeouf and Michael Pinner and I've forgotten who else. There was a couple of others in there as well, but they were just superb. They were a great crew, and John Bernthal was a massive part of that whole dynamic, that whole camaraderie and chemistry. It's definitely one I could do a rewatch on. I thought he played a real strong character, a real um he just, like i say he just adds so much to anything in, in fury which i think of i think most people will think of as a brad pitt movie i, I always think oh yeah that's john bernthal that i really enjoyed it if you haven't seen it definitely go check it out i'm with you paul i have got this movie on my watch list and i think about watching it all the time i am definitely down for a rewatch. 
Yeah, strong movie, strong movie. But number one for me uh, is his role as Frank Castle, uh, the Punisher. And I I feel like it had to be our number one because when I think of him, even though everything I've just said about Shane, I feel like this was just a role he was just born for. I, I cannot imagine anyone doing a better job than him, which is always what I consider to be the best compliment. I don't know... As I sort of said before, my my Marvel knowledge isn't isn't great. Having not any idea what the Thanos snap is all about, I don't know much beyond the Marvel TV series. I haven't read any of the comics, but it it seems to me that you know his character wasn't perhaps the the major character within the, the Defenders universe. But for me, when I think of that universe and I think of Daredevil, I I think of I think of the Punisher before I th- I think of, of Luke Cage or Jessica Jones or any of the others because I just thought. He was so good in this, um, and I would love to see more of it. That's my three, two, one. Then those are some very top tier picks, Paul. Um, I'm I'm actually pretty similar, actually, with most of my picks as you. So this will be a pretty quick run through. But I think I didn't really become too aware of John Bernthal until Walking Dead, and now I feel like sort of walking dead brought him to my attention and so i see him all around the place and i'm also a a raving fan so my uh number three i'm actually going to go with baby driver Mm. and john's role as griff in that movie i think john plays such a an awesome bad guy and but he's kind of a bad guy you often kind of love to hate but also kind of you know, there's a little bit of sort of dark edginess inside you that makes you cheer for him. And I think he's just got such a, a great look. Like he's got that busted up kind of broken nose. He's obviously been playing um, football. It's like he's been fighting for years. He looks like super tough. He looks like a super badass. And I think he he really fits that, that genre really well. So I'm going to go Baby Driver for number three. But Fury was it? I was really close to picking that, so I'm glad you mentioned that movie. Baby, Baby Driver was number- a good movie, Dan, and I I feel bad not including it. What I will include is that anyone who's communicated with me over over Twitter or or uh, Facebook or, or WhatsApp or whatever will know that I quite often reply in gifs, and I would put my John Bernthal Baby Driver gif in my top ten gif reactions to use. This is the one where he's sitting in the sta- in the car, staring at the camera who's sat in the passenger seat he's wearing sunglasses he's chewing gum and he's got a real come at me i dare you look as he's chewing his gum and i really appreciate that about him it's a it's a great 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 character great choice dan and my number two is i'm going to go with uh shane and the walking dead and again like much like you i you know when i've rewatched the walking dead over the years i've always there's been something inside me that's been like i wish shane kind of lived on because mm. i think a, a walking dead universe today where shane was still alive that would be badass and he he would be so great and i think you know obviously you know rick was the person that they originally want you to really sort of champion and cheer for uh, but i think if, if rick and shane had worked it out what a powerhouse they could have been the the negans the alphas the betas of of the of georgia you know it's 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 uh, good times i feel i feel like you're 100 percent right and i i don't mean to keep interrupting your three two one but i think what if i could go back in time and say one thing to the walking dead writers it would be anytime a big character is going out unless it's absolutely a hundred percent that this person doesn't want to come back don't don't maybe just don't kill them off maybe just have them say that's it i'm out of here guys and just sort of do a like we like morgan like like uh like maggie like like i guess 
kind of Rick has done. It's kind of like just give them that yeah, opportunity. Sure. Yeah, 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 exactly. That opportunity to, to come back. Yeah, look, I, I do think every now and again you do need to um, kill one of your darlings to keep it interesting. But I, I think you're right with a with a show like this that just got so big. And I think, you know, I don't think anyone really knew how big Walking Dead was going to get. And, I, you know, I've seen numerous articles as well, actually, speaking of that, where um, the character who plays Rick has, has said – the character who plays Rick <laughs> – <laughs> that's a top top statement um where basically andrew lincoln has has said he he regrets leaving the way he did on the walking dead and you know sometimes you don't know you think the grass is greener but it, it isn't always anyway i'm digressing my number one pick is actually the same as you so i'm gonna go with the punisher but i guess what i want to call out is so the Punisher, this incarnation of the Punisher, we've obviously had various Punisher movies over our, over our time, um, actually came about in season two of Daredevil. And the way that John Bernthal um, came into uh, season two of Daredevil was so badass. It made that season of Daredevil one of my favorite seasons of television I've ever watched. And you know, I, I talk about rewatching stuff all the time, and I, I think this year at some point I'm going to have to do a Daredevil Punisher um, watch because I, I just really enjoyed those shows. I was genuinely heartbroken when Daredevil and the Punisher were not going to be renewed again. I really liked where they were going with the Punisher. I think what was quite interesting about the TV show, obviously they took a bit more of a slower burn still a super badass but kind of tried to explore the character a little bit more and I really really you know we talk about like hoping and praying for things like Hannibal I really hope that uh, John Bernthal gets to pick up the Punisher um, over on Disney Plus somewhere or wherever wherever they want to do it on the the Hulu equivalent because I, I think he's perfect as the Punisher he's everything that we want he's dark he's gritty he's a badass and so yeah that for me is my my number one Great choices. Great to see we're uh, synced up again. Um, bring us back Enterprise, bring us back Hannibal, bring us back The Punisher. Is it too much to ask? While you're at it, bring back Daredevil as well. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's great. For too. sure, for sure. Well, Paul, that probably just about brings us to the end of episode 50 of the Half Measures podcast. Big 50th celebration. I feel like we've done something real special this week. And so that's our gift to the listeners for, for listening to us for 50 episodes. And our thanks, as always, to Mission Log and Roddenberry.com for sponsoring our podcast, as always. Also, a special shout out to our Patreon producers, Trisha Brady and Samara King. If you too would like to become a patron of the show, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios.